Hello, everyone, and welcome to Who Ate It First, a food history podcast with a twist. I'm Kendra Rundquist. And I'm Logan Rundquist. So. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. You're not halfway through the week, but you're almost there. <laughs> it's almost hump day. You can almost feel it. Camel is about to go around your office and say, it's hump day. Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> 0.1% of our audience is going to remember that one. <laughs> yeah. That's probably dating ourselves a little bit, but oh well. That was a good it was commercial. Funny. Yeah, it was Geico. Nice. Yeah. It's hump day. Hump day. Wow, anyway. <laughs> Sorry it's not hump day yet, but you're almost there. You're almost at hump day. Hope you're having a good start to your week. I have some silly jokes for you. I'm ready. You ready for the cheese? I'm ready for the cheese. Good. What do you call a band of berries practicing music? A band of berries. A berry good time. I like it. It's a jam session. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like that one. What did the real noodle call the fake noodle? You're an impasta. An impasta. <laughs> <laughs> one for like 15. You're oh, one yeah. for 15. <laughs> and why was the truffle in a rush? I don't know why. It was running chocolate. Oh, so nice. Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> so what do you have for us today, Mrs. Runquist? So yeah, it's my episode again, just because we were having the finale be something fun Kendall's going to do. Oh, yeah. Get ready, everybody. It's going to be sick. Lord have mercy. He hasn't really told me everything that he's doing, so I'm a nope. little scared. It's a secret. <laughs> oh, boy. So for my last episode of season one, I wanted to cover a dish from one of my favorite countries, Italy. I lived there for a bit and I loved it so much, but I wanted to do something besides homemade pasta. It's delicious, but we've done that quite a few times just for fun. We could do that in our sleep. Exactly. It's pretty simple. Um, so I wanted to challenge myself in the kitchen. It's definitely a two-person thing, so I'm going to need help. And so today, we're making tiramisu. <laughs> Interesting. And strap in, everybody. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I don't have seatbelts on this uh, dining room chair. Do I need to make some real quick? Yes. Fashion oh, yourself God. a seatbelt okay. with your wires. I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> I do have a lot of wires here. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to strap myself in. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm ready. It reminds me in Harry Potter where he's like, it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> you know, from the night bus. Uh -huh. Anyway. Take it away, Ernie. <laughs> Take it away, Ernie. <laughs> so, from the Italian words tirami and su, that translates to pick me up or cheer me up. And at its core is a coffee-flavored dessert made of ladyfingers or the Italian word savoyardi dipped in coffee or espresso layered with a whipped mixture of eggs, sugar, mascarpone cheese, and flavored with cocoa either there or on top or what have you. That's at its very core. The recipe has been adapted into many varieties of cakes, other desserts, affogados, flavors of gelato, etc., and 
Its origins are often disputed among Italian regions, of course. Surprise, surprise. Because we literally talk about nothing else (laughs) other than the disputed histories of certain things. It's just funny. And so it's unclear also when the dessert was created because we can't really pinpoint exactly what region in Italy, but we definitely know Italy. We got we got that one. At least we're that close. At least we're there. We've got a continent and we've got a country. We're there. But for America, it seems to appear in American restaurants sometime in the 1980s. And at that time, takes the U.S. by storm and inundates every Italian restaurant from coast to coast. So, fun fact. Tiramisu is the fifth most recognized Italian word amongst Europeans and appears Hmm. in the vocabulary of as many as 23 different languages. Wow. So lots of people know this recipe and know this word and know what this dessert is. A couple of different sources from my research today. I have Riva Reno Gelato website. And they have a lot of different shops all over Italy, so I felt it very important to talk about that one because they have a tiramisu-flavored gelato. I also used on Eater.com the article Mysterious Origins of Tiramisu, the dessert that took the 80s by storm, and National Geographic's Deconstructing Tiramisu, the coffee-infused Italian classic. Loving these titles and their specificity. (laughs) So... There are many legends around the history of tiramisu. The first has Tuscany as the birthplace and says that tiramisu was invented in Siena during a visit by the Grand Duke Cosimo de' Medici III. At the time, the dessert was called Zuppa del Duca, or the Duke's Soup. The next legend is found in Turin, where it's said that this dessert was invented for the Count of Cavour and then arrived in Emilia-Romagna via a writer who described a similar recipe in his book, Kitchen Science and the Art of Eating Well, published in 1891, although he used, instead of mascarpone cheese, it was butter. Hmm. And in the source, The Origin of Tiramisu, Fact and legend on the academiaofteramisu.com. Yes, that is a website. Tiramisu originated in Trevisio in the 1800s. It's said that this dessert was invented by a clever maitrice or madam of a house of pleasure in the center of Trevisio. The well, ma- well. Mm-hmm. Mm. The madam who ran the premises developed this aphrodisiac dessert to offer to their customers at the... (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. Get your giggles out. (laughs) At the end of their evening, in order to reinvigorate them after their little side excursion, and so they could return home to their wives. Take that how you will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you did a very good job of turning that those sentences into PG versions. Hey, that's good old academiaofteramisu.com. When you go on there, you are getting nothing but professionalism and just a, a lovely way of, of phrasing things. That's what you get. Yep. That's what I always say. <laughs> 
However, these attempted claims were either not considered credible or not considered fully truthful, so the real dispute arose between the regions of Veneto and Fruili, Venezia, Giulia. Veneto places the source of tiramisu at the end of the 1960s at the restaurant Le Bicchiere from an idea of a pastry chef to rework a typical Venetian dessert. And I had the name of it, took it out, didn't have time to learn how to pronounce that one, sorry. But it's a mixture of egg yolks whipped with sugar. And for another point to Veneto, they still host the annual Tiramisu World Cup baking competition for amateur chefs. So Fruili Venezia Giulia, on the other hand, posits that the tiramisu appeared at a hotel restaurant during the 1950s, and it's this latter story that has the upper hand. The Ministry of Agriculture and Food Resources has actually assigned the paternity of tiramisu to Fruili, adding the dessert to the Fruilian list of PAT, which stands for Traditional Agri-Food Products in English. It's different in Italian. And also, they get a point because they have a handwritten recipe for tiramisu said to date back from 1959 as evidence that they got there first. But, as the Academia of Tiramisu says, as often happens in legends, there are various elements of truth. And tiramisu originates from Trevisio in Italy. (laughs) So you can see where the Academia of Tiramisu stands. They are very firm on the Trevisio mm-hmm. legend. So with all of that said, you can kind of take your pick of where it came from. It eventually made its way to the good old US of A. Again, we aren't really sure exactly how, but we can probably guess it came along in the pockets of Italian immigrants and spread that way. From a Nat Geo article, I loved this quote, prudery over these salacious origins, referring to, as I mentioned, potentially coming from a brothel. It explains why the dessert has only started to appear on respectable menus relatively recently. So that kind of checks out. He's kind of saying that tiramisu was hidden away for a little while. He thinks that the Catholic culture that was kind of innately made in Italy kind of prevented the spread to menus hmm. in European countries. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't um, know it was a more recent thing too, but I guess not. It seems like these were made in people's homes and it was a very much homemade thing in Italy, but really only, again, like I said, took the US by storm in the 80s. So there's a big gap of time where we don't really know what happened to it. And it could be because people were like, oh, we can't have that. That's a that's a despicable dessert. Do you know where that came from? <laughs> you know, salacious. Can't, can't be eating that. Are you kidding? So anyway, Diego Zancani, an emeritus professor of medieval and modern languages at the University of Oxford, believes tiramisu hit a historical sweet spot. The 1980s were a great period of expansion of genuine Italian food abroad, he tells Nat Geo. Tiramisu became so iconic because it represented an enhanced, luscious version of an Italian classic, the humble gelato, maybe crossed with the Black Forest Gateau. It was really satisfying, versatile, and a nice pick-me-up that could be eaten as a dessert. 
but it would be an outstanding item at breakfast as well. And so I mentioned to Kendall before I picked tiramisu, I had considered Black Forest Gateau because on Great British Baking Show, they always talk about how that is such a big flavor for British people and perhaps all Europeans. We don't have it as much here, but it is extremely popular over there. I would maybe liken the popularity to like a New York cheesecake. It's Mm. on lots of menus. It's a really popular flavor. It's basically a chocolate cherry, right? It's a chocolate cake with kirsch liqueur, which is cherry liqueur, Mm. and usually whole cherries in it. And it's sometimes topped with cream, very luscious, very rich. It was often served at big parties in the 80s. One last quote I will read you. A classic tiramisu is a thing of beauty. You can now find great versions from Alaska to Australia, but the more people who get to enjoy this sweet, creamy dessert, the better, whether it's the original or a whole new interpretation. So with that, I'll get into the other disputed aspect of tiramisu. Oh, boy. Which is, you guessed it, the recipe itself. One site said the original recipe involves the use of very few ingredients, egg yolks and sugar combined together, with the addition of mascarpone cream and a drop of Marsala wine, giving us the classic tiramisu cream, which must be broken up by biscuits soaked in coffee to create the finished dessert. But the quintessential classic lends itself to many variations both when it comes to ingredients and presentation. Sometimes panettone is used instead of ladyfingers, which is an Italian sweet bread. Other cheese mixtures are sometimes used. Some contains raw eggs. Others contain no eggs at all. Marsala wine can be added to the recipe. Other liqueurs can frequently be substituted, including dark rum, Madeira, port, brandy, Malibu, Irish cream, especially coffee-flavored liqueurs such as Tia Maria and Kahlua, and amaretto liqueurs are often used as well. All that to say, lots of liberties can be taken with this recipe. So basically, if it looks like tiramisu, it's tiramisu. Exactly. (laughs) Who cares what's in it? Exactly. So yeah, it's just funny. People on the internet are like, it's not tiramisu if there's whipped cream in it. Well, some people like to top their tiramisu with whipped cream. You know, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. If it looks like a tiramisu, quacks like a tiramisu, it's a tiramisu. Exactly. (laughs) But so I was going to ask your opinion. Do you like tiramisu? Yes and no. I think it's a dessert that's good, but gets boring quickly. Mm. So I can only have a little bit of it. And I think this is hearkening back to what we did on the previous podcast episode. It's a dessert that nowadays you can find at like every restaurant and it's usually a pretty basic recipe. So it's not done professionally by a pastry chef. Like this is one of those things a la cheesecake, chocolate cake, creme brulee, tiramisu. Like it's at like every Italian restaurant you could possibly go to. And usually it's just like eh mm-hmm. because it's it's not done that well. It's something that can be put together relatively quickly and cheaply. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe a professionally made or a homemade tiramisu would probably be a lot better, and I'd probably like that a lot more, but I have not had that as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of on the meh scale for me. Mm-hmm. 
I'm so glad you said that because I notated that point down. I said in my notes that a lot of people say they don't like tiramisu. Sometimes it's a texture thing. Maybe they don't like strong espresso coffee flavors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But it's very polarizing, right? But I would say to those that don't like it, as you said, perhaps consider you haven't had a very good one. A lot of restaurants don't have pastry chefs, so desserts in the U.S. are often mediocre at best, as you said. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, tiramisu is just one of those that kind of get lumped at the bottom of the menu. But all that to say, a lot of places don't make their ladyfingers from scratch, so line chefs can whip them up really quickly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that that doesn't mean that their tiramisu is necessarily good or even accurate to the Italian way, because they're just using the four components that I mentioned really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could buy store-bought ladyfingers, which taste gross, whipped cream, coffee, or liqueur, Mm -hmm. and chocolate powder, Mm -hmm. and boom, you have a tiramisu. Exactly. And it's a bad tiramisu, but it's still a tiramisu that you can sell, you know? Exactly. So all that to say, perhaps you should try making it yourself, or at the very least, trying it at a restaurant with a confirmed pastry chef. That way you can rule out that Maybe you're just at a place that serves mediocre desserts. Like no shade, but some shade, you know? <laughs> but a little shade. A little shade. So speaking of making it yourself, let's jump into the kitchen and give this thing a try. All right. Andiamo. Let's do it. Ciao a tutti. <laughs> Means hello, everybody. Okay. I didn't just say I tooted. Non-Italian speaking husband. I, in case you thought I said I tooted, I did not. Ciao, I tooted. <laughs> Today we're using the recipe of Instagram star Batul Tunk. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, but her handle is uh, I'll say it and then I'll spell it Turquoise Kitchen or T U R K. U-A-Z kitchen on Instagram or Facebook. And I wanted to talk about her today because her content is so beautiful. She's making a cookbook. I'm really excited to buy it. But if you've not heard of her, she's a Turkish mom who currently lives in, I think, Virginia. She started making food content and developing recipes on the internet starting in, I believe, 2017. And she has really blown up over the last few years due to her quaint, old-fashioned cooking style, beautifully executed recipes. Her videos all feature sort of old-timey kitchen gadgets. She wears a lot of linen. It feels very homey. It feels like you're transported every time you watch one of her videos. But I highly recommend taking a look at her Instagram or Facebook page. She has a great video of showing her making this tiramisu and also mentions in the comments her tiramisu is a little different as she adds whipped cream to her mascarpone cheese, which is not traditional, but definitely tasty. So just a little disclaimer there that this isn't going to be authentic, true Italian tiramisu. Well, as we've learned, what even is authentic? True. (laughs) True. True, but I felt so bad for her. The poor little (laughs) lady, she had people coming for her in the comments saying, don't you add that whipped cream in there. That is not authentically Italian. And she was like, um, I never said that it was. I just said it was a variation and my family really likes it. 
So she's and a mom. Get off my back. Exactly. Dude. And get off my back. She's a mom of, I think, at least one son. She might have more. She's only mentioned the one son. But anyway, so she's just killing the game. She's doing the mom thing. She's doing the internet content thing. She's incredible. Go watch her stuff. Thank you, Batul. We are making your recipe right now. We are making the ladyfingers from scratch. So ingredients for the ladyfingers. You're going to have four eggs separated, 120 grams of granulated sugar, 120 grams of flour, one tablespoon of cornstarch, one teaspoon vanilla extract, and for the topping of your ladyfingers, optional is powdered sugar. You can sift some on top if you want. For the mascarpone cream, you're going to have four egg yolks, three-fourths of a cup granulated sugar, 16 ounces of mascarpone cream at room temperature, two cups heavy whipping cream, and one teaspoon vanilla extract. For the tiramisu assembly itself, you're going to have one cup espresso, one teaspoon vanilla extract, one tablespoon granulated sugar, and 18 to 20 homemade ladyfingers. The recipe you mentioned above, I think, should make between that range. And for the topping of everything, you're going to want two tablespoons of cocoa powder. And again, making your ladyfingers is optional, but I'm going to read the instructions here since we are going to attempt to make our own. You're going to preheat your oven to 375 degrees Fahrenheit and line two baking sheets with parchment paper. In a large bowl, place the egg whites and beat until soft peaks form using an electric mixer. Then slowly add half the sugar and beat until stiff for four to five minutes and set aside. In another bowl, place your egg yolks and the remaining sugar and beat until pale and fluffy. Step three, gently pour the egg mixture over the egg yolks and gently fold for a minute using a spatula and add your vanilla and sift flour and cornstarch over the egg mixture and gently fold everything together until combined as shown. Again, she's referencing her video on either her Instagram or her Facebook page. And using a pastry bag with half-inch piping tip, pipe out onto the baking sheet. Be sure to leave space between the cookies. See the video. Basically, in her video, she does three across and three down. So I think she put either nine, I think nine on each sheet, and then added more. Uh, whatever fits on your baking sheet, basically. And sprinkle with powdered sugar and bake 12 to 15 minutes. Powdered sugar is optional if you don't have that. And then remove them from the oven and let them cool completely. While those are cooling, you're going to prepare your mascarpone filling. In a medium bowl, whisk the egg yolks and the sugar. Place the bowl on top of a small pan with simmering water and stir 7 to 8 minutes on low heat until the sugar has dissolved. Remove from the heat and let it cool at room temperature. In a different medium bowl, add your mascarpone and vanilla and beat together. Pour your egg mixture and gently whisk until just combined. In another medium bowl, beat cold heavy cream until stiff peaks form. Using a spatula, gently fold the whipped cream into the mascarpone mixture. And lastly, you're going to put everything together. In a small bowl, combine your coffee, vanilla, and sugar. You're going to dip each side of the ladyfingers in the coffee mixture, then place them into the bottom of a dish to create a layer. You can either use a pie tin or a cake tin, whatever sort of container you have. 
and over your layer of ladyfingers, you're going to pipe a layer of mascarpone cream. Then place another layer of your coffee-dipped ladyfingers over the cream, and then pipe a second layer of cream. Cover with plastic wrap and chill for at least three to four hours, or better yet, overnight. She put lovely little dollops of her extra cream on top and then dusted with cocoa powder. And then serve with love. So let's go make this thing. Sounds good. I'm excited. Boop, boop, boop. And we'll be ready for rave or roast in just a second. All right. Off we go. I take it you enjoyed it. That was delicious. Not to toot my own horn, but maybe one of the best things I've ever made. <laughs> you helped me. So maybe the, one of the best things we've ever made. Yeah. It turned out really good. It was so good. It was a little challenging. Um, Yeah. Definitely difficult. Okay. So I'll go first. I would say I'm either a nine out of 10 or a nine and a half out of 10. This was a great recipe. Batul is a great recipe creator. She makes lots of really great stuff, so I knew that this was going to be great. I've had some lackluster and mediocre tiramisus in my life, and this was uh, honestly a really good one. I liked that it was much lighter than normal tiramisu. I think the addition of the whipped cream to the mascarpone was a great idea. I normally don't love mascarpone cheese. It's not my favorite texturally. It's not my favorite flavor-wise. It's really strange to me. I'm not really a cream cheese person, and that's really akin to a cream cheese. But I thought this was super good. And I think the only thing that would have bumped it to a 10 would be leaving the ladyfingers in there longer. In the, sorry, the espresso mixture. I also, so many people on the internet were like, marsala wine to the espresso otherwise it's not italian so i did that also don't taste marsala wine that sucks that's horrible <laughs> it's like port it's pretty sweet oh and i don't like port it was not a good time so essentially we did half of the espresso that she said instead of a full cup we did half a cup and then i did I thought about doing half a cup of the marsala, but I think I did a quarter just because I was like, wow, this is terrible tasting. Uh, when it was in the espresso, the espresso kind of balanced it out. But I think... Honestly, I don't think I tasted it once we were done with it. I just tasted the espresso. Yeah. That's pretty standard. They, they People on the internet were saying it, the addition of the alcohol is not to get you drunk. It's to enhance the flavor of the chocolate and cocoa powder and uh coffee flavors just there to pump it up gotcha not to get you drunk although some people are just like yeah put a lot of booze in there boozing up <laughs> anyway that's what you want to do that's chill but i i don't like it that way but i think that would be the thing that would take it to a 10 would soak it a little longer and yeah Maybe a little less cream at the top with the dollops. It was maybe a lot, although I really liked it. I enjoyed it. Okay, your turn. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I would probably say for me an eight out of ten for a few reasons. Um, first, on I'll ding us because we had a technical hiccup with the mascarpone cream. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, let's let's address that. Uh, there's a step where she has you cook the egg yolks and sugar over a double boiler Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to keep going until the sugar's melted Mm -hmm. we did it for the length of time that she did but it didn't melt all the way i thought it was good enough (laughs) it was not as i found out (laughs) it did something really weird when we took it off the heat well what happened was it wasn't fully melted, so when it cooled down, it started to crystallize back into sugar. Yeah, so by the like time it up. was room, yeah, by the time it was room temperature, it looked like it was seized. So it was very crystallized <laughs> egg and sugar. <laughs> but I will say it ended up not mattering because by the time we put in the mascarpone cheese and the whipped cream, there were so many other components that I thought it was going to be at least a little grainy. It wasn't grainy at all. Yeah. I tasted nothing. I did not a single grain of sugar. So I guess it kind of fixed itself when we did that. It ended up not mattering, which was, I don't know, kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. So I'll ding us a little bit for that. The other thing (laughs) why I have it as an eight out of 10 is because I'm kind of on the other side of the spectrum. I, as you know, I'm not a huge fan of airy desserts. Like I really don't like mousses that much. I like the animal mousses, but, uh, like chocolate mousse or um, what the heck are those uh, macaroons? You like macaroons? Not macarons, but like macaroons, like the big. Oh, coconut macaroons? Yeah, like coconut macaroons things. Oh. Like, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of air desserts. So like when I, I tasted the mascarpone cream before we put in the whipped cream. And I quite liked it. I thought it was very tasty. I was like, why are we still putting more stuff in this? It's good as it is. Nope. (laughs) Um, And then when we added the whipped cream, it was still good, but I felt like it lost too much of the thickness and flavor of the other components. Mm. It was still there. It was just a little too light for me. So I probably would have, if I put in any whipped cream, which I probably would have still, it would have been maybe like half of what we had done. Mm -hmm. Just because I personally... um, don't like oh meringues that's another one like lemon meringue pie i scrape the meringue off the lemon pies and just eat the lemon i love meringue i hate meringue i love it so much i think that drives my mom nuts but i hate meringue i've never liked it i wanted to make a pavlova i considered doing pavlova for this and i was like there's no way kendall will eat this with me i would taste it but i probably wouldn't enjoy it and there's no way i'm gonna eat a whole pavlova cake by myself <laughs> batul makes one three tiers yeah and i was like there's no way anyone they're pretty is they're gorgeous but yeah i probably wouldn't enjoy it and delir <laughs> i love chocolate mousse i love airy i love airy desserts yeah so we do diverge in that you like airy desserts a lot i'm not a fan i don't know if it's a texture thing or if it just feels like cheating to me that like you're getting less stuff because it's you're eating air essentially but that you kind don't of feel disgusting too. after. Yeah, but I feel like I'm cheated. So. You feel like, hey, I should really feel like crap now that I've yeah, had Yeah, like I had this whole thing, but most of it was air. Did I even <laughs> have dessert or did I spend 20 minutes just gulping air? Goofy. So, yeah. 
So was it good? Yeah. And also I think like after a while, it still got a little boring for me, just like it does sometimes with restaurants. But I will say this was by far way better than any other restaurant tiramisu I've ever had. And you said you liked it better on day two after the coffee had soaked more into the ladyfingers. Yeah. So as yeah, to give it away, we're recording this a little bit after um, we, this portion a little bit after we made it. So yes, the next day it was much better. I think the the coffee had time to soak into the ladyfingers a little bit more. So there was much more coffee flavor, I felt like, yeah. the next day. Yeah, I thought it was exponentially better yeah. the second day. It was. I definitely agree. And I think she even mentioned that, right? I mean, yeah, it says sit three to four hours or better yet overnight. Yeah. So if you're not super hankering for a tiramisu and you make this, I would actually definitely do that. Or just taste it when you make it. And then taste the next day and see what you think. But yeah. we definitely thought it was a lot better the next day. Yeah. Just hold off on putting your cocoa powder on top. Stick everything in the fridge right before you're about to serve it to your party or your guests or whatever. Sprinkle that cocoa powder right before you serve it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be perfectly fine. Yeah. Just don't be like Michael Scott when you're trying to talk while eating tiramisu because that oh. will not go bad. That will oh not go gosh. well. I'm going to post that. I'm going to post that video. <laughs> Kendall wanted to do the bit. Of if any office fans know, Michael Scott is on the phone trying to eat tiramisu. You can Google that scene if you want. <laughs> but anyway, nobody probably knows it. It's probably a very niche specific scene, but I thought it was funny, and I'm an office nerd, so. And he recreated it, and I have a video of it, and it is very funny. <laughs> so I'll post that. But yeah, I think that's uh, it for me. All right, well, I think that's gonna wrap it up. So next week. The following Tuesday is going to be our season finale of season one of Who Ate It For? Season finale. So don't mean to keep teasing it, but I have something pretty fun planned, uh, a dish I'm pretty excited about. So hope everyone's excited for the season finale. Yeah. Happy sad. I mean, we're sad to take a break, but we're also happy to take a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a good good time to take a break and recharge and kind of plan out what we want to do next for the next season in October and get some of that going. So I uh, just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening. If you like what we've been doing, then as I said, we don't really market our podcast a lot. So um, anybody that listens to our podcast, the best way to help us out is either by leaving reviews on your preferred podcast platform by far the best way is telling your friends and family about the podcast if you enjoy it and think mm-hmm. it's something they would enjoy too. So I think that's going to wrap it up. I am Kendall Runquist. And I'm Logan Runquist. And oh, and also follow us on Instagram. <laughs> and also follow us on yeah, Instagram. If you want to see that Michael Scott video and also all the behind scenes stuff that we post, it's, it's all there. And it's at who ate it first. Yep. All right. That's going to wrap it up. It has been delicious. And molto bene. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.